Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 58 of Minds Over Money. I'm your host, Cameron Brady, and on this week's episode, I'm covering three headlines from last week that directly impact the economy, as well as having potential implications on your own investment portfolios. And those headlines are, inflation is heating up summertime expenses, old electric vehicle batteries are getting a second life, and chip shortage threatens cutting-edge tech needed for next-generation smartphones. In addition to those headlines, I'm also covering another financial planning topic, and this week, it's don't make these retirement planning mistakes. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy. This week's first headline is inflation is heating up summertime expenses, but not all prices are scorching. From airfare to propane, the cost of relaxing is higher than last year. This year, the toughest expenses to swallow for summer fun might be getting to your destination and having a nice meal, but you were going to eat anyway, right? In an analysis by the Wall Street Journal of spending categories related to common summertime activities, consumer prices for travel and energy saw the largest growth from a year ago, outpacing overall inflation of 8.6%. For most of the activities, select food categories were among those with the biggest jumps in prices. So a beach vacation, a trip to the shore might be one of the bigger extravagances. You can expect to pay 38% more this year for a flight to get you there, and the cost for a place to stay is up 22%. If you plan on eating crabs on the dock, you should also know fresh seafood has outpaced overall food costs, rising 13% in the past year compared with 10% for the broader category. The good news, if you plan on lounging at the waterfront, this season's beach reads are likely to have gone up in price more slowly than overall inflation. You can probably splurge on a nice swimsuit as both men's and women's swimwear have trailed overall price increases rising 5-6% to compared with 7% for all clothing. A picnic in the park. A trip to the park is an alternative to costly airfare and finding a place to stay on the beach. Getting there is going to cost you, with gasoline prices hitting $5 a gallon. Gas prices in May were up almost 49% from a year ago. The stuff in your picnic basket has likely outpaced overall inflation. If you are having sandwiches, the price for lunch meats has jumped almost 17% during the last year. The simple staple of orange wedges is also going to be a sweet but pricey dessert, up 15% in cost. If you plan to buy a bicycle for rides in the park though, you might find relief in more than just the shade. Bikes and other sports vehicles have risen less than 5% in price. The famed backyard barbecue. By now, simply staying at home and cutting travel out of your budget may seem like the best move. Unfortunately, if you are planning on having friends over for a big summer barbecue, you will be paying much higher prices than last year to fire up your grill. Propane and firewood have climbed 28% in cost in the last 12 months. You also might want to steer your guests to hot dogs this year. The price of ground beef is up more than 13%, while hot dogs are much closer to the overall cost increases seen in food. The good news for your barbecue is that you can comfortably keep serving cold ones, with beer seeing a relatively modest level of inflation. Also, you probably kept your warehouse club membership to buy in bulk as such memberships went up in price less than 4% over the past year. Continuing the inflationary theme from the last few episodes, inflation has come for our summer fun. With inflation hitting a 41-year high in May, 
the cost of our most beloved summer activities has now gotten even more expensive. The fabled beach vacation is break the bank expensive, with airfare up 38% and lodging up 22%. A picnic in the park might be a less expensive alternative, but with food costs up nearly 20%, it will still shock your wallet. Even the tried and true backyard barbecue is under inflationary assault, with propane up 28% and ground beef up 13%. At least beer is up only 5%, so you can still serve up a cold one to help keep your mind off how much inflation is eating into your monthly budget. This week's second headline is old electric vehicle batteries are getting a second life. Automakers like Nissan and Renault are using retired batteries to build large-scale energy storage systems. Millions of electric vehicles will be scrapped in the coming years. For the batteries that power them, that won't be the end of the road. Eventually, automakers and recycling companies want to harvest valuable materials from old EV batteries to make new ones. But before they are recycled, used batteries could be given a second life on the electricity grid. Wind and solar plants are increasingly being coupled with lithium-ion batteries to store excess power for times when the sun isn't shining and the wind isn't blowing. As these are the same type of batteries as those used in electric cars, automakers say repurposing them could aid the expansion of renewable energy as well as address the electronic waste challenge. Automakers such as Nissan and Renault are stepping up efforts to repurpose old batteries and tap surging demand for energy storage. Global investment in grid-scale batteries reached $6.8 billion in 2021, up from $4 billion in 2020. There are currently 10 million EVs on the world's roads, a figure that is expected to rise to 300 million by 2030. That will create a valuable market for retired batteries. Roughly 1.7 million will be available for reuse in 2030, with a combined value of $5.1 billion. EV batteries degrade as they are charged and discharged. Drivers can expect upward of 100,000 miles of use before a battery loses 20% or more of its capacity, roughly the point at which performance drops noticeably. But they remain useful for grid storage until their capacity drops to around 60%, potentially giving them another 10 to 15 years of service. Used EV batteries can be resold for small-scale applications such as storing electricity from rooftop solar panels. Automakers and power equipment companies have been trialing larger-scale second-life applications for years. A soccer stadium in Amsterdam uses nearly 150 new and old Nissan EV batteries to power an energy storage system. As more old batteries become available, these projects are proliferating. Volkswagen's Skoda unit last year started providing energy storage systems, each of which uses 20 plug-in hybrid batteries, or 5 all-electric batteries, to power charging stations at dealerships in Europe. Skoda said it could eventually make 4,000 of the units. In March of this year, European utility NLSBA started operating a project with Nissan that uses 48 old EV batteries with 30 new ones in an energy storage system at a power plant that provides electricity for a Spanish enclave on the coast of Morocco with 86,000 inhabitants. The system can provide 15 minutes of backup power. Automakers often get old batteries back, for instance through leasing agreements with customers or by keeping hold of batteries that are upgraded. Renault, for instance, has rented out more than 250,000 batteries that will come back for repurposing or recycling in the coming years, although it now usually sells the batteries with the new cars. 
Renault has several energy storage sites in France that combine old and new EV batteries. The combined capacity of retired batteries will climb from 10.4 gigawatt hours last year to 107.5 gigawatt hours by 2030. That would correspond to an hour of power consumption for around 80 million US households. In practice, not every old battery will wind up being used for energy storage. Some will retain enough juice to be used in another car. What goes around comes around. Automakers envision a three-stage life cycle for batteries. The first life, EV battery in a car. The second life, stack of EV batteries as grid-scale battery. And third life, materials such as lithium, cobalt, and nickel are harvested from old batteries to make new ones. What happens to old EV batteries also depends on how the potential rewards from repurposing them stack up against those of reusing their materials in new batteries. Specialist battery recycling companies such as Redwood Materials and Lycycle Holdings are developing technology and building factories for battery recycling, teaming up with big automakers. Redwood, for example, collects and recycles battery components from Panasonic, Tesla's main battery partner. This year, the startup plans to supply the Japanese conglomerate with copper foil produced from recycled materials to make new lithium-ion cells at Tesla's Gigafactory in Nevada. Lycycle is working on a General Motors-backed battery recycling effort. In Europe, Renault has partnered with Viola Environment and Solvay to extract and purify end-of-life EV battery metals. Some experts say recycling is already a better option than finding new homes for batteries. The chief environmental officer at Swedish battery maker Northvolt said recycling has become a cost-efficient way of recovering valuable metals, while second-life uses haven't been proven on a large scale. With electric vehicles becoming ever more popular, finding an economical and responsible solution for old EV batteries is critical. As renewable energy gains popularity, we could start seeing second-purpose EV batteries used as short-duration energy storage, getting another 10 to 15 years out of batteries before they are recycled for their rare earth elements. This week's third headline is Chip Shortage Threatens Cutting-Edge Tech Needed for Next-Generation Smartphones. Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company and Samsung are grappling with technological hurdles and a shortfall in manufacturing equipment. The two-year global semiconductor shortage is threatening to spread to some of the most advanced chips needed for next-generation smartphones and the data centers that power our apps. Chips with the tiniest transistors and highest performance had largely escaped the drought that has hit the auto industry and other electronics. Now, problems ranging from production hitches to a shortage of manufacturing equipment have raised concerns over the ability of the world's two highest-end chip manufacturers to meet delivery promises to customers. The challenges could ripple through the electronics supply chain as soon as next year, with one analyst warning of shortfalls as high as 20% for the most advanced chips by 2024 and beyond. Without improved chips, technologies such as high-performance computing, artificial intelligence, and more evolved forms of autonomous driving might see a slowdown in deployment. Part of the problem is that just two companies, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company and Samsung Electronics, are capable of building the industry's most cutting-edge chips because of the high costs and technical barriers. Both have ambitious roadmaps in the coming months. Some of TSMC's customers, however, received warnings that the company might not be able to increase production next year and in 2024 as quickly as hoped 
because of issues with acquiring manufacturing equipment. Chip manufacturing equipment is increasingly arriving later than expected, and lead times on new orders have stretched to, in some cases, two or three years, largely due to a dearth of less advanced chips. Then there are the technical issues. The contract manufacturing unit of Samsung, the world's second largest contract chip maker, has experienced some capacity constraints. The South Korea-based company saw slower-than-expected improvements in yields of chips made using the 4-nanometer process, the measurement used in the semiconductor world that loosely refers to the size of the transistors used in production. Due to the low yields, Samsung was unable to supply as many chips as promised this year, prompting key customers including Qualcomm and Nvidia to place orders for their next-generation products with rival TSMC instead. A nanometer, or one billionth of a meter, is about a hundred thousandth of the width of a strand of hair. The smaller the transistor, the newer and more advanced the chip, and the greater the number of chips that can be made on a single silicone wafer. Both TSMC and Samsung say they are making progress on efforts to avoid any disruption. Asked about TSMC's production of its last three nanometer chips in a call with analysts in April, Chief Executive C.C. Wei said that the company had issues with manufacturing tool deliveries that it was working through. Samsung experienced delays in ramping up yields as its 4 nanometer processes, but the company is now back on the expected yield improvement curve. Kang Moon Su, Executive Vice President of Samsung's foundry business, said in a call with analysts last month. Samsung has said that it is on schedule to start mass production of the world's first 3 nanometer chips using a novel transistor architecture by this month. There is a mismatch in the amount of money advanced chip companies hope to spend expanding their production and the projected sales of the manufacturing equipment industry. Chip equipment, which comprises most of the cost of setting up new chip factories, is expected to generate around $107 billion worth of sales globally this year. But planned capital expenditures by chip makers is projected to be more than that at $180 billion. The impact of high demand and equipment shortages on even more advanced 3 nanometer and 2 nanometer production could be significant, with a potential 10 to 20% supply shortage in that area in 2024 and 2025. Chip design companies that depend on contract chip makers have warned of technology and manufacturing related risks that could affect their business down the road. Qualcomm said in its recent quarterly filing that developing or maintaining leading process technologies, including transitions to smaller geometries, could bring down manufacturing yields and reliability. The chip shortage that sprouted from manufacturing shutdowns due to COVID-19 over the past two years will have a much farther-reaching impact on the industry. The two leading chip manufacturers are already warning of a shortage of their most sophisticated chips used in our newest smartphones and data centers. With Intel's chip facility years away from production, we could see even more inflationary pressures on our electronics in addition to delayed innovation in AI and high-performance computing. This week's financial planning topic is don't make these retirement planning mistakes. While many Americans have spent years planning for their retirements, a great many of them have made a basic discovery once they reach that plateau. Namely, that there are some issues that simple math and time will not necessarily resolve. If you are at or near retirement, here are several common mistakes that you can plan now to avoid. Underestimating your life expectancy. 
A generation ago, it was probably safe to assume that men would live to approximately age 70 and women to perhaps 75. But advances in medical science have pushed those ages up at least 15 to 20 years. Realistic financial planning projections now should probably assume that at least one spouse will live to age 90 or beyond. Thinking that you will be able to retire when you want. Many older workers plan on working into their 70s, until illness, disability, or mere fatigue forces them to reconsider. If you plan on working past the normal retirement age, do not count on the extra money earned to pay for essential expenses. Neglecting to adequately factor in healthcare costs. Failure to do this can be disastrous, especially if long-term care treatment is needed. And do not count on the government to pick up the bill for you either. Make certain that your health coverage is adequate and that you have a plan to cover other elder care needs. Settling for low returns. Do not let your fear of risking principal leave you with a guarantee of running out of money prematurely. Sensible asset allocation will substantially lower the risks of investing, including the chance that your money will not grow enough to meet your needs. Not taking retirement distributions within the allowable time frame. Avoiding costly withdrawal penalties whenever possible is just common sense. Do everything you can to avoid paying both the 10% early withdrawal penalty before age 59 and a half and the 50% excise tax for failure to begin taking mandatory minimum distributions by April 1st after attaining age 72. Failure to monitor or control your distribution rate. Your financial advisor should be able to run some basic calculations based on the size and allocation of your portfolio that show a safe rate of withdrawal. A general rule of thumb is somewhere between 3 and 6% per year, depending on your portfolio's allocation between stocks and bonds. Refusing to get a fresh perspective. No matter how effective your advisor or plan is, getting a second opinion on it will never hurt. Different advisors have different areas of expertise, such as taxes or mutual funds. Therefore, having a different set of eyes review your situation may provide insights that you would otherwise miss. If you and your life savings are being ignored or feeling taken advantage of, come join our family. We are a family-owned financial planning and investment advisory firm who promise to treat you like family. No products, no hard sell, no gimmicks, just honest advice based on our four decades of experience. If you have any questions on this week's episode or are interested in getting an unbiased opinion on your finances, please give us a call at 440-235-2100 or email me at Cameron at MichaelBradyCo.com. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Mm-hmm.